Hello and welcome to the Squiggy Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. It is Tuesday, February 15th. In this episode, my heterosexual Valentine Laurent sits this one out. Kieran Trippier, Newcastle hero? West Ham, Tottenham, and Man United all refuse to take hold of the fourth place Champions League spot. And speaking of Champions League, it is back, finally, thank goodness, to save us from this death march of a Premier League season. But first... Ron would hate me if I didn't do the scores. So let's run through the Premier League action from this past weekend. We start Man United at home. Draw. That's right. Draw the red hot Southampton 1-1. Just yet another example of United dropping points when they really could have taken a real step forward. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Watford downed by Brighton 2-0. Brighton getting a little cozy in the top half of the table. As Laurent predicted in our season preview show, Brentford, Crystal Palace played to a nil-nil draw. Uh, goes by with a fart. Fart noise, not a whole lot to talk about there. Everton 3, Leeds United 0. Leeds kept off the board by a resurgent Everton side who see, really needed that one and seemed to be safe from the relegation group for now. Norwich. Hang in with Man City in the first half, but get the doors blown off of them. After halftime, Man City cruise 4-0. Wolves go to North London and take all three points from Tottenham Hotspur. Some calamitous defending at the beginning. Obviously, we'll get into detail on this one. Wolves finish 2-0 up on Spurs. Newcastle, Kieran Trippier again with a free kick. The difference here, Newcastle 1, Aston Villa nothing. Burnley 0, Liverpool 1, ho-hum for them. And in the last game of the weekend, Leicester City and West Ham played to a dramatic 2-2 draw. West Ham grab draw from the clutches of defeat and stay relevant for now in the fourth place race. But my goodness. So let's let's start there, I suppose. Uh, this is a game where, you know, uh, Leicester has been, as we've talked about on the show, shaky at best this year, right? And yet, they're still capable of a hell of a performance. Laurent's boy, Jerry Bowen, gets them gets West Ham an early lead, and here come the here come the Foxes with a penalty just before halftime, and Ricardo Pereira, remember him, puts them ahead 2-1 in the 57th minute, but it wasn't over. Craig Dawson in the 91st equalizes for the Hammers, brings them back, all square, 2-2, the points are shared, and it, it, it's a game that flattered West Ham, to be quite honest. If you look at the possession stats, this is not a Leicester team that is has been having the, the run of the ball for the majority of the season. Uh, they took 13 shots to West Ham's eight, despite only two on target. It's a Spurs City special where they get two shots and two uh, you know have two goals. Um, but really, uh, it's it's... It's just another letdown from the Hammers, especially having taken an early lead. They now have two wins in their last five. Uh, this would have been their third loss if not for the heroic game-tying uh, game goal at the end. Now, look, they still sit in fourth. I just I don't see it for them, and, and I'm waiting for them to fade, and I just want, I want to believe theoretically that they can hang with the Uniteds and the Arsenals and the Tottenham's and the Wolves. I just, there's too much there, and they've, they've still got games in hand on, or I'm sorry, they've got more games played than all of the aforementioned clubs, so I just don't really see what good is going to come of still working through this charade that West Ham thinks that they are in the European contention places. Of course they are for now, 
But that group is starting to get a little bit weirder. Weirder, right? Oh, did you say weird? Did you mean like, I don't know, Tottenham gifting Wolves two goals in the first 18 minutes weird? Why, yes, we did. Wolves go into North London, as I mentioned in the open, take all the points from Spurs. I just... I just don't know what to say anymore about this club. I, I, now, before I get into my whole diatribe about how everybody should be sent to the gulag, let's take a moment to recognize Raul Jimenez, who has had a long road. Obviously, horrific head injury at the beginning of last year, and it takes a long time, a long time to get your body comfortable to be playing the way that you were before that. It is as much in the rehabilitation of this a mental injury as it is a physical one. And it's if it weren't against my team, it would make me happy to see him scoring goals uh, again. But the way that he took this finish was strong. Um, it's kind of a, a crazy helter-skelter little exchange in the box for Spurs. It ends up being a punch from Loris. Now, by the way, this is not... This is not the place where you go for Hugo Lloris slander. He didn't have his best game. In fact, he was outstanding and yet sort of to blame for this goal. Uh, He punches it out, trying to get it away. It goes right to um, Raul Jimenez, who chests it down, takes it on the volley. Really strong finish. uh, And Wolves go up 1-0. If you watch the replay of this goal, I think Wolves had five men in the box. And Spurs had two, maybe three. And they had four men in more or less in a cluster in the top corner of the box, just kind of standing there watching. So if there's a photo, it's going, it's made its rounds on the t- Twitter machine. If there's a photo that encapsulates what it's like to be a Tottenham Hotspur player, fan, supporter at the moment, this is it, right? These clubs are not even, they're not only more organized. They're not only more technically sound. They just want it more than a lot of these guys. And it's 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 a combination of some of the new boys coming in, Kulusevsky and, and uh, Bettinger, not necessarily betting in right away. Sure. It's a part of it is Ben Davies and all of these players that Mourinho said wasn't good enough, that Pochettino said wasn't good enough, that Ryan Mason said wasn't good enough, that Nuno Espirito Santo said wasn't good enough, all still playing, making errors in critical areas of the pitch, and the ball ending up in the back of the net. So uh, Spurs, I mean, look, they give up two goals early, and then the game is complete downhill running, as you'd expect. But Wolves, one of the best defensive clubs in the Premier League, they do what they do best, right? In fact, I believe they are still, yeah, second in goals against in the Premier League. Now, to, to put that in context, right? They have 17 goals against, City have 14, Chelsea have 18, and Liverpool have 9. They have 14, they have 17. Chelsea with 18, Liverpool with 19. So on a defensive scale, they are as good as the best three teams in the league. And additionally, for context, the next best team, I believe, is Brighton with 23. So there's a good distance between them. In fact, the same amount of games played, Brighton are averaging a goal a game. Wolves are certain significantly under that, almost uh, 0.75 goals a game. So, you know, really strong defending. Jose Sa has been a big part of that. He 
kept Spurs off the scoreboard aggressively. I think he made seven saves in total. Uh, yeah, seven saves. And, and it's just Spurs could have put one away. I don't think they ever realistically would have gotten to two. Um, but it's just a game where the whole stadium, right? You've got this amazing 60,000-seat crazed fans atmosphere. You just take them out immediately with just disjointed play at the back. Um, Spurs uh, find themselves exactly where we we left them. Um, they're actually they've fallen behind Wolves now. They're in eighth place, three losses on the bounce, minus one goal difference. They're the only club in the top half, aside from Southampton, I suppose, with a negative goal difference. And 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 look, with with three games still in hand on West Ham, they're five points off the mark. The problem I find with Spurs now is not how far behind they are of West Ham. It's that they are behind West Ham United, Arsenal, and now Wolves. And they will not have goal difference. I promise you that on any of those teams when it comes to the end of the season. So they're effectively an additional point back. It It is not too little too late for Spurs to get to the fourth place spot. It, it sure as shit feels like it. But there's just, there's, there's opportunities that you are given over the course of the season to show who you are, right? To show up and say, this is, we are staking our claim for our intended goal of the season, which nobody was under any illusion that they were going to challenge City and Liverpool for the title. Nobody was under any illusion that they'd be near the top teams in, in, in England. We did maybe have an idea that they would win the Europe Europa Conference League Cup. That didn't happen either. But now you're looking at it as fans have already sort of turned you know turned their back on the Premier League, saying you know we're not going to get fourth. We're going to end up in in Europe Europa League again, or worse, the, the Conference Champion Conference, whatever the fuck it is. Um, I just. There's not a whole lot of optimism, right? Like, how can there be? How can there be? The only thing that I could see, and, and again, Dyer and, and Oliver Skip coming back into the side should improve things. I mean, fuck, it has to, right? But the combination of the schedule that lies ahead, you've got to play pretty much all of the big boys left ahead of you. Um as well as, you know, just the way that these club these teams are playing right now, you can't catch all of them. You're not going to, and um, it starts with City next weekend, I believe. You're just you're you're too far behind the eight ball realistically, because you didn't take those chances with Southampton, with Wolves to say, hey, this is we are a club worthy of those spots, right? The reason why Liverpool and City are where they are is not necessarily, and maybe that's not the greatest uh, uh, comparison. It's probably a better comparison with Chelsea, right? And even Arsenal over the years. Arsenal were always in the top four race because they beat the teams they needed to. 1-0 to the Arsenal. How many times? And yet, they would get floored by United. They would get battered by Liverpool or City. But you know what? They'd hang in there and they'd always, at the end of the day, they'd be within touching distance. 
because they pick up the points that they need to, that they should. And Spurs are always leaving those on the table. In fact, they're going to have a heroic performance against either City or Liverpool or United. And it's going to completely about-face the entire narrative of their season, despite the fact that they're probably too far gone to realistically stage a top four contention spot, right? Like they're to make a race. So this is where we find ourselves on February 15th. Uh, it, it was a lonely, lonely Valentine's Day in North London. Um, and it's just, again, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. And, and as we talk about missed opportunities, we would be foolish not to bring up Manchester United at home taking on Southampton. Again, this is a game. This is a club the size of Manchester United who says we belong in the Champions League. We are going to exude dominance over the teams in the mid-table, in the bottom part of the table, to get the points that we need so that we can blow by West Ham. Blow by them. And yet, here they are. 1-1 after taking an early lead, thanks to Jaden Sancho, who's starting to come good. Shea Adams gets Southampton on the board. 48th minute, just after halftime. And I, and I, you know, we're similarly with United, uh, similarly with, with Spurs, I should say, we're running out of ways to talk about this Manchester United team. There are different problems than, than Spurs, obviously, but it just feels like the disjointedness is what they actually have in common, that they don't have any real way to play at the moment. And, I, I you know, it's funny that, like, I didn't look at the table after Spurs lost because I just couldn't be bothered with it. Uh, but, not, frankly, they've lost three games in a row and there's no harm, no foul, realistically, aside from the fact that they, uh, they're they now behind Wolves. But United sit here, again, a point off of West Ham with a game in hand, so theoretically they should be fine. But they've failed to pull away and now they're embroiled into a five-man fight. It's, it's They've got nobody to blame but themselves. Nobody to blame with all their star power, all their headliners. It's, it's shocking that on February 15th, after we talked about how easy of a run that they would have, that they're here. There's no doubt in my mind that they should be above Chelsea for third at this point, not just West Ham. They should be free and clear into the top four. And frankly, the top four race should be over. Over. United should be fucking gone. And they're so not, not just not gone. They are so disjointed. They are so out of their element. They're going to get past. And I'm excited to talk about by who. 22 games played, 39 points in the bag, a goal difference of the of the the five teams fighting for fourth, almost the best, plus nine. West Ham have plus 11 right now. I can't believe I'm excited to say this. Arsenal. The difference between Spurs and Arsenal, okay, is that Spurs went, took in Wolves on, on, on Wednesday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, Dropped 2-0, self-inflicted wounds. And Arsenal on Thursday, we talked about it on the last show, 1-0. 
despite having to play with a red card for the last 20 minutes of the game. I I just... there's <laughs> They're going to finish in the top four. Arteta, probably, if that happens, coach of the year. I... I I can't believe this. I can't believe that I'm saying this on on February 15th. After the first half of the year, I crushed Arsenal. Every chance they gave me to show them who they are, show me who they are, they proved me right. And then slowly, around Thanksgiving, the switch flipped. And here they are. They deserve every bit of, of where they are right now. Technically only in six, but two points off with three games in hand. Three. And, and, and I just... If I were to look at their schedule... Now, granted, they have a Chelsea match that, that was postponed. They have Brentford. They have another showdown with Wolves, which is going to be critical. Uh, so the, two of the three games are against Chelsea and Liverpool, as I mentioned before on, on the show. So those won't be any walks in the park, but they have a lot of winnable games ahead of them. A lot. So... It's hard for me to sit here and say, you know, that they're not the favorite to finish in fourth place at this juncture, which is fucking mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Anyway, let's keep let's keep going with the scores. Um, Newcastle. Let's talk about Newcastle. Really fun one here. Uh, Kieran Trippier, your friend and mine, again. Now, he gets a little bit of luck on this one, but for the second week in a row... Pots a free kick that ends up being the difference in the match. Uh, Aston Villa, though, 63% possession, only one shot on target. The magic of Stevie G might just be wearing a little thin for the villains. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. As as much as Bondia and Coutinho have been magic recently, there was really not a whole hell of a lot to write home about. Um and and Newcastle, who we spoke about a couple weeks ago, being you know in the thick of the relegation battle, are now free and clear, uh, and we may see that we've settled into a bottom three. Um, as much as I talked about the games in hand for Burnley until I was blue in the face, three wins for Newcastle has changed, has absolutely changed the trajectory of all four teams seasons uh and 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 near futures right if you think about it before those three wins newcastle was on 12 points and i believe doing some quick math they were close to bottom of the table now they're on 21 and they look like they have a way to play almost uh, arguably more importantly um norwich behind them in 17 with almost a twice as bad goal difference uh watford Behind them with 15, so that's two full wins behind them. So Watford's not catching them. And Burnley, down there with 14, who again, still have... This is the this is the point now. Burnley with two games in hand. Even if they were to win those two games in hand, which by the way, one of them's against Spurs, so maybe that shit will happen. Even if they were to do that, they still are only on 20. Still. So... They're really, it's unfortunate that what was shaping up to be a really fun, really fun race um, looks like it it could be over because the team that we expected as well to get pulled into the race, Everton, showed out with a really strong performance, 3-0 against Leeds. Um, 
there's, as we said early in the season, that there was a, you know, a separation amongst the two to three sides at the top. Uh, and then the, the glut of however many teams after that, there are becoming more pockets as the season goes along. So you've got the top three, four through, let's call it eight for now. And I don't mean to dis Brighton, but you've got West Ham United, Arsenal Wolves, and Tottenham between 41 and 36. And then, and then Brighton's sitting there at 33. Do they have a claim to the European spots? Not necessarily Champions League. Do they have a claim to Europa League? Or the Conference League, which would be great for them. I think they do. Um, it really is dependent on how Wolves get on. Because Wolves, again, a couple wins can change your season. Four out of five. Four out of five wins. That's huge. Huge for Wolves. They were they were, they were were 13th, I think, before that stretch. So they're all the way up to 7th. And so now you're starting, as I said, to see separation. So Brighton, we're going to give them their own special category at the 9 spot for now. Points in five straight, two of those five being wins, but we'll give them their own group. Because behind that is Southampton, a disappointing Leicester. Oh, those those two points off the board in the end for, for West Ham. Uh they were in the bag for Leicester. If that would have that would have put them into the top half of the table, uh, but they sit in eleventh now. Southampton on twenty nine, Leicester and Aston Villa on twenty seven. And again, there's just the shine has come off for Villa, it seems. A plucky Palace team who can beat anybody on their day, especially at home on 26, are not so beloved Brentford. Break their duck, and I think there was five in a row losses they, they with the, the draw to Palace. So they, they feel, that feels fair. The Crystal Palace-Brentford nil-nil draw going 13th and 14th, that just feels right. Effectively, if if you told me that that's where they were at the beginning of the season on Valentine's Day, okay, that that sounds about right. And then Leeds, Everton, obviously underperforming, but get a big, big win, so they stick right next to Leeds. So what I would say is ten through sixteen, and maybe even seventeen with Newcastle are in that. Was that one, two, three, four? If you're counting uh, Brighton as their as the the one team third tier, the fourth tier is ten through seventeen. And then, unfortunately, the, the the fifth tier is being banished to the to the nether realm. Uh, Norwich, Watford, and Burnley. We are preparing to say our goodbyes. Uh, not over yet, but I, it is going to be hard to justify catching having any of those teams catch Newcastle at this juncture. But we could see Kieran Trippier has has changed the team. It is actually paining me gratefully that after selling Trippier and watching him come into back into the Premier League and make a six-point difference immediately for another club, he, uh, and having Spurs go through Aurier, go through Emerson Royal, uh, it's been hard to watch. I can tell you that. Um, but so that's, Basically, what's going on in the Premier League, we do have a game tomorrow, uh, excuse me, later today, Man United and Brighton. Again, a big one. If Brighton are to stake their claim for those spots, they go into Old Trafford, they get a result. Wow. 
that would be some pretty shocking stuff. I, but it's possible. You could, they they could do it. They could absolutely go into into Tra- Old Trafford and win tomorrow. Will they? Will United finally put their their pedal to the metal? This is effectively their game in hand. So after this match, they'll be all square with West Ham. So we're going to learn a little bit more about the top four race tomorrow. We're going to learn if United has that second gear, that well, that third and fourth gear, I should say, to really pull away, to start to pull away, to be where they think they belong. But they're not, that's the beautiful thing about the Prem. You cannot get there on a name brand. We have seen the rot, the rotten core at United shake loose from time to time. It's going to be hard to say which United really come to play tomorrow, especially three days after an underwhelming performance against uh, the Saints. So I don't, I don't know, um, but it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good uh, day of football because we've got, in addition to Man United, Brighton, and they're staggered times, thank God, so we won't have to watch too much of halftime shows. We've got Champions League; it is back. Oh, thank God. Because And we've got some good matches. We've got some really good matchups in the round of 16. Uh, obviously, the first leg of two. Um, but I don't know about you guys. I'm getting tired of talking about the same four teams being dog shit every week. So it's going to be a nice reprieve to be talking about PSG and Real Madrid. It's going to be nice to talk about Inter and Liverpool. It's going to be nice to talk about RB Salzburg, who's no slouch, comfortably leading the Austrian Bundesliga against Bayern. Um Sporting Man City does seem to be uh, a bit of a mismatch, of course, but we'll see. Manchester City has, for years, underperformed in the Champions League. If if Laurent were here, I'm sure he would be shaking in his boots about any knockout matchup in the Champions League. So we'll see how that one works out. But I want to dig a little bit more into PSG and Madrid. Uh, I think that there's some interesting, messy storylines here. Um the other thing is that obviously, obviously PSG uh, are going to put all of their eggs in the European basket. Uh, they always have. They've come up short, of course, but um, they're free and clear in Ligue 1. That's not a surprise to anyone. I think last I checked earlier today, they were up uh, 13 points or some shit like that. So they're gone, and, and they're not going to have to focus or worry about it. So Real Madrid, if it, in case you didn't know, of course they were going to anyway, more than likely, are going to get PSG's best punch which means Messi, which means Neymar, which means Mbappe. Um, but Madrid is no slouch either. They're cur- currently comfortably ahead in uh, not sorry, uh, in La Liga, uh, four points ahead of Sevilla, which is an interesting wrinkle. Um, there just doesn't seem to be much of a challenge be- going on in La Liga. We've talked about it at great length. Uh, all of the power being shifted sort of to the Premier League and as far as depth is concerned. Um but I, I'm curious to see if PSG can get out to a lead uh, in in this tie by winning the first match tomorrow. Um, and if not, uh, listen, the the Paris hierarchy made a big deal about Pochettino this past offseason when Spurs came calling again, when United have, have been interested. But it's been around this juncture. I mean, they fired Tuchel a little bit earlier in in the season last year uh, or two years ago. I don't even fucking know anymore. Um, But they're famous for two to three-year managers who, uh, for whatever reason, cannot advance very far 
in the Champions League, getting the outs. So if you've got, what is this, two weeks, three weeks between um, between legs here, yeah, well, they'll have they'll have three weeks in between three legs before the second uh, leg at the Bernabeu on March 9th. Do you feel the heat under Pochettino's ass if he does not go out and get a win tomorrow? I don't mean just draw, get a good result. If, if they draw 1-1 and Real Madrid has the away goals advantage going back home, um, I think they give him to the end of the tie regardless. But listen... Mauricio Pochettino's job will go as this tournament goes for PSG. And um, th- the interesting part about that is that you're starting to see the familiar players in this game emerge again. You're seeing Manchester United starting to be linked with him. You're seeing Tottenham, de- well, you're seeing Antonio Conte dealing with Tottenham. Not not a great marriage there in North London. Who would have thought that, right? And so you have these moving pieces that we're almost already anticipating for this summer that could and the dominoes could start to fall a little bit earlier than when it, it heats up. So um, that's obviously something to watch. Uh, Inter against Liverpool on, on Wednesday is going to be one that, that really takes, uh, takes my attention. Um, Inter hosting the first leg at the San Siro. Um, what Liverpool lineup are we going to see? Are we going to see Diaz? Are we going to see Salah and or, or, and, and Mane? I should say. Um, so so Klopp sort of is for the first time in a while he's spoiled for choice. Even with Jota last year, it was still apparent that he was the understudy to the big three. He did eventually start to stake his claim and get more of a of a uh, a bigger role in the Liverpool front front man attack. But now he's arguably got five men for three spots, right? And so it'll be very interesting uh, to see who he throws out there in a in a pivotal pivotal game. Because by all rights, it should be that, uh, you know, they're probably gone for the league. I wouldn't say totally. But it, if you're playing an aggressive, if, if, if you're playing the way Liverpool does, you likely are more of a cup team this season than you are in the league, right? And so you gave Mane uh, a start. I don't remember exactly when you took him off on uh, on over the weekend against Burnley, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Oh, Google, you bitch. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see who starts up top because you did have the the, the famous three, Mane, Firmino, Salah. And Firmino and Salah both played 90 minutes uh, against Burnley. Uh, which I think was the right play for that style. Um, but Mane, Jota came in for Mane around the 65th, 65th, uh, sixth minute or so. So he got in. Diaz, for what I understand, did not. Um, so does that mean he gets in there? Um, it should be interesting. Inter have a whole lot to play for. They are a point behind Milan in Serie A. Uh, for the top of the league there. Obviously, that's going to go down to the end. They are also playing Milan in the Coppa Italia in a few weeks. Uh, so there's a hell of a lot to play for in Italy still. Um, obviously, the reigning champions having lost a number of players, Lukaku, Eriksen, and of course, losing Antonio Conte. Um, they're still, they've reloaded. They're strong. They're maybe not as good as they were last year, but a, they'll certainly give Liverpool a proper challenge. Uh, so that's the one that I'm really excited about and looking forward to. I'm not sure um, 
that I care all that much about sporting Manchester City. I certainly will be tracking it. Uh, I know Laurent will be on it. Um, but by all rights, this is a game that Man City goes in there. They get their two probably away goals, uh, and they go back to the Etihad very, very happy. Um, but crazier things have happened in Champions League. So we'll see. Uh, Pep not playing for <laughs> Fernandinho. If, if, if Laurent were here, he'd probably have a heart attack. Um, but there's a lot to see there. Uh, so, so obviously, having the Champions League back at this stage, it just adds such a better element, right? As I said, United have their Hansel. Next week, they go to Atletico Madrid. That's no walk in the park, in addition to their Premier League struggles. So uh, will Atletico knock them out of this tournament as well? How will that reflect on Ragnick? So again, we are starting to see I shouldn't say they, they're falling. They're being the dominoes are being set up now, right? To fall in short order that will lead to the headlines you see in the summer. So the next two to four weeks in the season are going to be inflection points for Liverpool, for Man City, for United, uh prop for PSG. So it's gonna be a really, really interesting ride to have that back, to have the the best in Europe taking each other on. Um, so I, for one, am looking forward to that in, a, in, instead of watching Liverpool go up to Burnley and play in the fucking rain. Uh, so, so we'll see how that all works out. Um, I just, I, it's going to be a lot more fun to see these teams, you know, kind of compete on multiple fronts again. But that's pretty much all we've got for tonight. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines, the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You never, ever miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please review our show so we can reach more crazy football fans like you. Fan Hub, we see you. We love you. Thank you very much to all of our English friends who have joined us on the show. We are big fans of you. 